another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Jason, and I am joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, we are uh, a, f- a few days now uh, um, from the NBA draft that had happened. And Ethan, let me just say, went into the night a little unsure, came out like a champion. I'm feeling good. Makes me happy, Richard. We all we all know, and we talked briefly, and, and then to some lengths at times, about what we wanted to see on draft night for the Pistons. And we put it into the atmosphere that Jay Nivey would be a Piston. And here we are, days later, Jay Nivey, a Piston. And I, I couldn't be happier for you. And I truly think it's he is the perfect kind of compliment for uh, Cade Cunningham with his speed, aggressive like his hopeful aggressiveness attacking the rim and also like just his ability to just be more athletic than people like we know that's worked for plenty of guards in the past hopefully Jaden Ivey can pair that up with some jump shooting prowess to give some spacing for Cade as well but I think those two Cade's the Cade the craftsman and and Jaden Ivey the freak I think it's going to be a nice little pairing yeah I I mean again the things that he brings and uh, not only with Jaden Ivey, but also with Jalen Duran, like you, you get that incredible athleticism. You basically, I think Trevor looked at it and said, and I think he bought into the, the players, the people, but it's like, these are basically the two uh, craziest athletes that we have in this draft. And so uh, knowing kind of where we're at with, with, with the core that we have, um, you know, Cade, not the craziest uh, explosive athlete. He moves at his own pace and that's great. Uh, can operate within within the mid-range. Obviously, it's a little bit tough without shooting, um, which is why we hope that Ivy can space it well enough um, uh, out on the perimeter. But, uh, you know, him, you, you look you look at uh, Sadiq Bey, who, while he's big and can shoot, uh, has done, you know, a little more in the, in, you know, mid-range and back of the basket and some post stuff from time to time. Like, the, he's not a crazy, bursty athlete either, nor Isaiah Stewart or Killian Hayes. And so this going in this direction gives you those athletes to, um, well, just have there be some difference. So it's it's a good, it's good. I'm excited about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's real good. So obviously I love Detroit. What else, what else do we like? Well, I really like the Pacers grabbing Benedict Matherin, just a really good shooter. Hopefully translates as a defender to the NBA level. But just another guy to help out with the uh, the Tyrese Halliburton um, development. I think you know Tyrese should be the focus for everything the Pacers do going forward. I think guys like Chris Duarte, a guy like Ben Matherin, either, either one of those guys could be on the move or the long term long term two guard next to a Tyrese Halliburton. I think you're in a good spot, and if you have both of them, I think it's even better. So if Brogdon's going to be on his way out, which is a a possibility as he's been rumored about in trades quite a bit. I like either having Benedict Matherin as your, as your starting two guard or, you know, Chris Duarte as your starter being off the bench, or maybe when you go small, having all three play in like a three guard lineup. I, I like that a lot. I think there's a lot of shooting and versatility, versatility of jump shots coming from that rotation. Yeah. And I was preparing myself for Benedict Matherin. I think that, you know, he, he works well alongside a facilitator. And I think that you have that, uh, would have had that in Cade and, and you have that, uh, definitely in, in, in Halliburton. And so, um, yeah, I, I do enjoy the pick. I think that if you are, uh, the, you know, 
I, I think that you are a little disappointed if you're if you're a Pacers uh, fan, though, in just the fact that you weren't able to, you know, get up into the upper um, part of it. Because I think you would have liked a front court player to kind of partner. Um, and I think that Pacers fans were probably talking themselves into Keegan Murray, talking them into themselves into Jaden Ivey, if obviously obviously if they could, and would have loved to get you know one of uh, you know Paolo Chet or Jabari. Um, but I, I think that you, you'll find that Matherin's going to be a, a good piece um, uh, for them. He'll fit in. It's just you're still missing something if you're Indiana. And what's the direction that they decide to go with things? Um, they'll have uh, some, some money to spend if they want to within um, uh, free agency. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I think what the things that I obviously like more like when it when it comes to um these immediately right after the first you know right after the draft the thing the 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 drafts that people tend to like are uh oh this this team got multiple first round picks like the thunder for example right they walked out with three uh players within the lottery love chat for them um think that uh he'll fit nicely as a grab and go big uh being able to space it and go five out and then they went in and they, they kind of doubled down on like positional length um, in Usman Jang and Jalen Williams. They also got another Jalen Williams, which I don't know. They're gonna have someone's gonna have to get a different name um, because they got both Jalen Williamses out of this draft, and you know I don't know how how that's gonna go at, at practice or or I, I don't know. They have to figure that out. But um, <clears throat> uh, you know. Teams like the Thunder, teams like the Rockets or Spurs, right? The Rockets have end up with three first rounders. You got um, obviously Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, and Ty Ty Washington. I like Ty Ty Washington um, uh, for them, and hopefully he'll be able to get some run as a point guard, which he really didn't get to do next to Severe Wheeler um, at uh, Kentucky, which was unfortunate. Um, and then the Spurs, Jerry Sohan, uh, favorite amongst a lot of uh, people because he can defend. Like, one of the actual few people where, where you hear people say, oh, that, this, they can defend one through five most of the time. That's not the case. They really can't. Uh, Jim Sohan probably can. Um, he, would be, he would be one of the, like, five people uh, in the world that, that can do that. Um, and then they go out and get a couple shooting guards uh, as, as well with um, uh, uh, Blake Wesley uh, a little bit later on. And then uh, they also got Malachi Branham. So... I just in volume, it's like, hey, hopefully, one or two of those guys hit. Um, with if you're, you know, if you're one of the teams that that left with three, um, the other team, the other one that I like as well, the Nuggets, and and I don't care for Peyton Watson uh, quite as much, but uh, I I enjoy um, Christian Brown was one that was like, hey, this guy's a cutter, this guy can shoot in space a little bit, perfect next to a guy, guy like Jokic. So, um, and they need wings over 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 there in Denver. So th those are kind of the things that I liked uh, uh, from, from the draft, where I think that we, 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 we enjoyed. Dave, I I'm, I'm a little not, not sure about a lot of things. This draft didn't really take the time to get to know a lot of these players, but you know, the, the guy, the guys, like I said, Jay Nivey is a guy I really keyed on. So obviously full in on him for the Pistons. And then with Benedict Matherin, just watched enough of his stuff. Like, Oh yeah, I, I like guys who make shots and he makes a lot of shots. Here's one that we were kind of, we kind of had mixed feelings about between the two of us, Richard, the, uh, the Blazers pick number seven um, for Shaden Sharp. 
Now, you, you mentioned something pretty important to me that, made, that gave me a little bit more of a pause. Like, I personally was hoping this pick was going to turn into something very tangible soon for the uh, Portland Trailblazers, already making the move for Jeremy Grant with that Milwaukee pick. But you pointed out to me that Shaden Sharp might hold his value in terms of staying the highest potential return um, as anyone else that was left in the draft. So not a, a theoretically a really good pick by Portland to take a flyer on a guy who could end up being a player for you, but also, and maybe more importantly, could be that retention of the first round pick trade value. Yeah, I mean, I think that you look at it and it's like, hey, again, we're right at the point where we've kind of hit a tier, uh, a, a tier drop off, you know, after Ivy goes. Um, and now we're kind of, all right, Matherin, um, uh, you know, Shaden Sharp or Dyson Daniels, so, Sohan, like, like, I think Jeremy Sohan could have had, like, value as kind of like a, hey, an actual contributor. Um, but guess what? If he doesn't, sh- if he doesn't shoot it well in that first year, uh, then you start to dwindle a little bit. And you just got Jeremy Grant to kind of fill that role a little more. Um, and the thing that is, will, I think will be interesting with the Blazers is you've got Dame and you've got Anthony Simons, assuming they're able to retain him, which I think I think the assumption is that they will. So you don't have as much, like, he's not going to, Shane Sharp's not going to walk into playing time. And I don't think he'll be expected to. And even if he doesn't, like, walk into playing time, it's almost like he, there's a little bit of that mystery still there. It's like, well, you know, he had, of course he's not able to show all of this stuff because he's playing behind these two other guards. So even if he doesn't play um, in this unique situation in, uh, in the Trailblazers, knowing how Portland's been able to develop some of these guards, I think that he'll be able to hold and retain um, a little more than anyone else would have or in any other situation that he ended up in. Yeah, I think it just makes more sense to me the more we talk about it. Not to mention, if theoretically, I know they just trade for Jeremy Grant, but if something were to go wrong early in the season, you have a nice young guard prospect that if you choose, like let's say Jeremy Grant, knock on wood, bop, 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 got hurt, and you said, all right, time to punt. Dame's out, everyone's out, we're rebuilding. Anthony and Shaden Sharp make sense for the next next iteration of the Blazers as well. Yeah, you can see how it goes. You kind of have two tracks that you can go on um, depending on how, how things turn out, and you kind of have one foot in both in both doors, right? Uh, it's the Golden State Warriors approach, although albeit a little bit, you know, worse. Let's move on to some things we don't like, Richard. And um, you, we got down here written the Kings and the Knicks. Now, I have a feeling I know why for the Kings, but I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, iterate that. Yeah, so, like, the Kings, you're sitting there at four, and whether, I mean, I assume, because they draft Keegan Murray, they have Keegan Murray above Jaden Ivey on their board. Um, and, like, even if it's a, you know, people, we talk about fit, well, guess what, you, you need, there comes a time where, like, fit is, that fit is important. For example, if you were the Cleveland Cavaliers... You're not drafting the center uh, with with your pick because you are locked up at that spot with Jared Allen and, and uh, you know, uh, Evan Mobley. So you don't need to go out and do that. You probably shouldn't. Um, and, and and so there is a time when need matters, but you had, you know, 
you were where the, the decision you know needed to be made. This is the spot where the draft begins. Uh, of okay, what's going to happen, and them not being able to use and turn um, that pick into more assets. It, it just if they weren't going to go that route, like. And I think the Pistons in particular made it very difficult on them because the word three is, hey, we're comfortable taking, um, you know, we're, we're comfortable, comfortable taking Keegan Murray. And if the Kings were to have, say, traded back to the Pacers, let's say the Pacers really wanted Ivy, you know, and would throw, you know, X, Y, and Z at, at them in, in assets and you just move back to six. Well, now if you're the Kings, you're probably uncertain, like, oh, man, well, if we do that, Ivy goes four. The business take Keegan Murray. Now we don't get the guy that we want, and so it prohibited them from being able to really drop down uh, much further. And so I think the Pistons kind of holding it, you know, holding their cards close to their chest, or um, you know, making it seem like like they would. I think you know, kind of like what we've seen before with, um, you know, if if the Lakers way back in the Jason Tatum trade uh, or or Jason Tatum draft, if they didn't show their hand of uh, you know, we're taking Lonzo Ball. We're taking Lonzo Ball, right? then the Celtics might not have been comfortable to drop back down. They probably would have taken Tatum number one and have been fine with it, right? Looking back, everyone would be good. But because of that, um, you know, they were able to force, you know, force the hand of uh, Philadelphia in that moment. And so that's kind of what we saw here. And Kings just said, you know what? We don't want to mess with that. We don't want to, like, risk it. And, and so you go Keegan Murray. And I just, I just don't quite get the direction of, of the Kings. Um, I, I've, I've questioned like if it was me, I I would want to build it up the right way, and uh, this this desire to make Fox and uh, Sabonis work to to make the playoffs, it's the West is gonna be a bloodbath, and I I just don't quite see how they are going to uh, turn this team into a legitimate playoff playoff team. Like I think we're scratching the play in, and guess what? We might, we might just be back here. Um, a year from now. Yeah, when you look at the Kings, you're looking at a guy like Sabonis who can really help jumpstart a half-court offense. You look at De'Aaron Fox, a guy who can probably jumpstart like a fast break, run-and-gun type of offense. That only, um, a really, I think, a really good coach that apparently has terrible people skills, uh, David Yeager, was able to unlock for this team. But everywhere else you look, there's just not really a a habit of excellence, so to speak. For any position group, and even those two are a little bit questionable because you have such a bad defensive center with Sabonis, and Darren Fox is so inconsistent with his jump shot that even he is um, falling short of excellence on a regular basis. And I just don't even know how you play your five, your assumed five best players, right? Fox, Sabonis are out there. Harrison Barnes is out there. Keegan Murray's out there. I'm already concerned about the ability to defend on the perimeter. With, with those guys as is. Now you got, all right, well, Davion Mitchell, maybe he's involved in that, or um, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, DiVincenzo didn't quite fit there. I don't think he's really happy um, with that. But but now you've uh, you just, like, it seems like Murray and um, Harrison Barnes kind of are, there's some overlap there. And it's like they went to trade Harrison Barnes a little bit too late. I think he could have netted you um, quite a bit at this past deadline. Uh, in, in previous years, now it's how do you make a trade? Like, where does Harrison Barnes go where you can bring in someone else along the wing who can who can fit you? Like, fit what you're trying to do. Who's who's at Harrison Barnes like 
equivalents. Like, who's your two, three here? And, on and this not I don't o- see and not only how do you get better when you're trading away your any given day first, second, or third best player? Like, how do you make the step forward when that your one of your best players is the guy you have to move for fit reasons? Like, that's not a sustainable model for finding a way to the playoffs. It works out sometimes. You know, like there's there's moments where like, I think you go all the way back to like the uh, like the Pistons before like the the eighty nine ninety Pistons like the, whatever trade I can't remember all the the pieces of that trade back then, but they traded away was it was it Dantley like a, a Hall of Fame scoring type and it just fit the team better, like how that that's a very rare thing to happen, um just trade away one of your best players and it just fits better. But this team doesn't have like an Isaiah Thomas. It doesn't have like a LeBron James type. It doesn't have, you know, even like there's not even someone on here who like there's no guarantee. There's no Hall of Famer on this team right now. I, I'm looking at like who are who are other teams that need like the Harrison Barnes four? It's not like the Chicago Bulls, okay? But who are they sending back? Like if you're getting someone back, you're probably getting. I mean, they seem to kind of hold on to Patrick Williams a little much, but. You get back Patrick Williams, well, like, that's probably better long-term, but that's not helping you now, which is where I think the, uh, you know, Kings would like to go. I think, are you able, to, I mean, I mean, I just, I just don't know, like, John Collins is a four. If you made that trade with the Bulls, you'd almost need, like, Lonzo Ball to kind of, like, help help Darren Fox juice that full court thing, but then you're still leaving some bonus behind. Like it, there's really no way to make this team make all the ways, make all the sense because you have two diametrically opposed strengths of your best players. It's tough. I I've, I've looked around. I haven't, it's been tough for me to find the particular trade that makes sense. Um, so I don't know. That's why I didn't quite care for what the Kings did. I feel like they didn't capitalize because they locked themselves into someone who can, in theory, help now in Keegan Murray, which Keegan Murray can do a lot of good things. Um, but rare is it that, you know, uh, a player like that is able to, you know, rookies really are contributing positive, you know, positive members for a variety of reasons. And I just don't know. I, I don't I don't love them. The other Keegan should have dropped to the Blazers. And they've been like, you know what? This makes sense. Here's our here's our <laughs> here's our four rotation right now: Jeremy Grant, Keegan Murray. And if we go small, we'll give. We'll hope. Hopefully, we can hold up. Like, but yeah, like Jeremy Grant can defend on the perimeter enough that you're okay to having him defend as a three. So like, it, it's you you have less of those problems. But um, point being is the Blazers have shown also shown enough evidence that they. Damian Lillard can be the guy to get you to the playoffs when he's healthy. Whereas we haven't seen that from a Fox or Sabonis, a Sabonis in the East, maybe like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this team's just so far away, but they're like just scraping for the, the, the theoretical. It's just, it's not, it's just not good. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the other team I didn't quite care for is the Knicks, but I think like, I understand where they're coming from. Like you get to a point uh, if you're the Knicks, where by the time you got to your pick, they obviously didn't care about Usman Jang. And, like, he was, like, the last guy, I think, on, like, of that tier that people liked. And so, you know, they were able to make the Thunder uh, throw, throw out a lot of picks. Thunder have a lot of picks to expend, so it, it ended up being fine. But then they didn't, it's not like they did that and jumped back to 12 to get someone else. It's they traded out of it entirely. And then they got back in. For 13, because the Pistons really wanted Durin, um, and they facilitated that to to drop off some salary. 
But if you look at that three-team trade, um, I, I, I like, first of all, I like the Thunder trade that they made, uh, you know, to, to get those first round, uh, future first round picks, three of them, right? One of them was, was the Nuggets, which is going to convey next year. The other ones are Washington and Detroit, which are lottery-esque protected for the next uh, little bit. Um, and so, you know, if you didn't care for anyone, okay, then, then that's fine. But then they went around and, and turned that, um, they, they sent to Charlotte that, that Nuggets pick um, and uh, some second-round picks and, 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 and things of that nature. I just I just look at it and, and think, well, the Pistons ended up getting a, a steal, basically paying nothing, you know, that, that, that Milwaukee, future Milwaukee pick uh, for, for Duran. And, well, if, if the Pistons are winning so much by giving up so little, like someone's, someone's getting screwed here. And for me, I just look at it as, you know, the Knicks. I thought if we were going to get that 13th pick, it, the, the thing that was coming along with it was Gordon Hayward's massive salary. It's like, hey, Gordon Hayward, salary dump, take the 13th pick as, you know, um, as the cost. We, did, we were able to take it on just by, you know, taking on Kemba Walker, expiring $9 million. Like, that's, that's, that's easy. It's an easy decision. And so, um, I, the, and the problem, the other problem that you have is if you are the, um, the Knicks, the goal is that you open up enough money for, for, for Brunson. You're still not there. You're still not at that, um, at that level. And so you're going to have to, like, shed extra salary. I'm sure that they wanted to get rid of maybe, like, Fournier, right? But they're going to have to shed uh, in order to get, have the money to go for Brunson. Nerlens Noel, uh, Alec Burks, maybe Cam Reddish. So you're going to have to get rid of, like, some of those guys in order to have the space necessary uh, to do what you were doing. So, like, while I, I don't mind them, if you want to go for Brunson, great. Where does that end up getting you uh, long term? And we'll, we'll talk about that here soon. But the fact that this trade um, that, that just happened didn't get you there, it just makes me a little bit, um, I don't know, I'm a little concerned for, for, for the Knicks in, in the direction. They, have, they do have a few more first-round picks that you, maybe you can attach to some of these salaries and drop them off at other places too. But, like, I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem like uh, a, a good move for the, for the, for this um, Knicks team with with where they've been and where they're at now. Nope, Knicks are not a good run organization. It's still even with the new people in place. I think it's still just not quite where it needs to be. I just I look at this team and there's there's some nice building blocks and there's there's just some things that don't make sense. Like Julius Randle shouldn't. I, mean, I know he played really well, but he wasn't worth basically basically a max and. It's like you, you, you're keeping guys like Derrick Rose around, and Derrick Rose is good, but like he's he's inhibiting some growth from some of these younger guys. Like it's it's just they're just so far away. Hopefully, if if Brunson's who they want, hopefully he can get here, and maybe that's where the growth can come from is having one more competent ball handler on the team. I know Tibbs, you know, former coach of the year, all that. Stuff. Like the the problem is, you go in direction, you you don't you're not having the growth that we talked about. I guess if you're a Knicks fan, you don't have to worry. Like if you're Tibbs, like you're feeling great after this. You're like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about uh, having to play any rookies this year because um, we didn't get any. And so um, it's, yeah, it, it, I just. Uh, just to further the point about bad, how the organization is not working out very well. 
is these guys gave up something to get Cam Reddish, and then you just talked about using like trying to shed him as salary because Tibbs didn't play him, right? Like that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Whereas a guy who should be a positive asset for you, or at least a neutral because of his youth and not super high salary, is being like the tenth overall pick. We're talking about having to shed him to theoretically bring in a bring in Brunson. Like y'all traded for it like them, and like he became a negative player from making the transition from Atlanta to the Knicks. Like that shouldn't happen, but yet it did. Institutional consistency, and again, I like I like the previous drafts that um, the Knicks have had. Like I like Quentin Grimes, I like Manuel Quickly and, and and Deuce McBride and Jericho Sims. Like I like all those guys, and I guess you're not drafting anyone to come over the top of them. Maybe they'll get a little more run, but yeah, it's it's the institutional togetherness that they've that they've uh, not had. And even Obi Toppin in flashes has shown like the things he's good at. But they don't play him in a in a like any kind of way to help him succeed. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say Obi Toppin's good and was the pick that they should make, but he's performed okay in segments, and they don't they haven't given him a chance to like grow that out at all. His problem is offensively he's a five, but he cannot play the defensive five. And guess guess what Tibbs is is especially needing. He's especially needing that rim protecting defensive five. Um and and so you're never you're never you were never going to put Obi Toppin in a place where he would be um, maximized, even even like as like a bench five. You're just, you're just not seeing it. So, uh, anyways, from the draft, those are kind of the thoughts that um, that we had just afterward. And uh, but free agency, Ethan, is around the corner, and uh, there are some teams that have some cap space. I'll go ahead and read kind of the likely cap space teams. Um, and we have like four to five of them. Uh, Pistons having the most, likely about 36, can get up to about 44 if they decide that they are going to renounce uh, Diallo or Frank Jackson uh, team options. Um, they do have a Marvin Bagley restrictive free agent decision to make, which would eat into that, but they can get up to about that much um, if, they, if they don't bring Bagley back. Uh, the Spurs have about you know 30, 35 million dollars, uh, depending on some non-guarantees, and they have a decision on Lonnie Walker. Although with the way they went in the draft, with getting a couple shooting guards, I would say Lonnie Walker's probably on his way out. The Magic have about 27 to 29 million dollars, a Mo Bamba restricted free agency decision, um, but that's right about where they are at. Uh, the Pacers. About $26 million, they'll probably bring O'Shea Brissett back on his cheap team option, so that's right around where they're at. Um, and then the Knicks. The, those are the teams that I think are comfortably cap space teams and will, will probably operate as such. Um, the Grizzlies technically have about $17 million in space, but I'm uncertain that they'll operate as a cap space team because Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones are their unrestricted free agents. They have a cap hold, so they can like operate as an over-the-cap team if necessary, if they want to bring some of those guys back with their bird rights. But I'm unsure how the Grizzlies will maneuver, depending. But it'll depend on, on what they want to do with those two guys, if they how they want to operate. Everyone else is, is probably operating um, as an above-the-cap team. Like the Kings could, in theory, have, you know, less than $10 million of likely cast space. But guess what? You probably want to operate above the cap so that you can use the, the mid-level exception as a team operating above the cap, which is about $10 million. So the Kings, Raptors, Blazers, all of them could create 
um, some space, uh, but it's less than $10 million, so they probably they probably won't go for that route just as far as team building goes. So basically, you know, Pistons, Spurs, Magic, Pacers, and uh, Knicks and Grizzlies. No one else can really offer any contract uh, greater than $10 million other than those teams. Um, I guess the exception would be in sign-in trades, um, which, 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 which could be done. Um, but guess what? There are a few teams who really can't operate in that way, uh, and, and that would be our tax teams. Tax teams is nearly half the league. At least they're starting out there. You might see, like, the Cavs, for example, are, are starting as a paying-the-tax team. But you don't get charged until the end of the year, so they have a lot of time to get underneath it. If they don't bring back Colin Sexton, they won't be in, they won't be in the tax. Uh, if they do bring back Colin Sexton on, some, uh, on, a, on a large dime, then, you know, maybe they'll stay there. But we've got, like, 14 teams. Uh, I don't know if I want to read them all, because uh, that's just a huge list. But um, it's, you know, I, I would say probably by the time it's all said and done, half of those teams, maybe seven to ten teams, will end up being tax-paying teams, um, at least operating, I think, in the tax, leaving this offseason, going into the regular season. Yeah, and a team, I just like to start off, you know, with a team that won't be there to start the season is the Heat because of a couple decisions like P.J. Tucker opting out and the uh, free agents that the Heat have, um, their player holes are so low because most of them are minimums, but that's a team that you would likely see climb into that tax. So we might have some teams ducking it, but there's also some teams that are going to be on their way to it. Yeah, I, I think it depends. Like the the Heat, for example, avoided and ducked the tax last year. They, they, they did not pay the tax, uh, but they were very, very close. And I think that they'll probably be kind of right around there um, again as well. And it just depends. Hey, do you, do you want, you know, how do you want to handle it? Now with these tax paying teams, um, sign and trades are tough because the tax is set at about $149 million. The apron, which is what you get hard capped at, is $155 million, right? Like about $6 million over uh, over the tax line. And and so those teams, they can't really uh, use the sign and trade as, as a way to, to get it unless they are um, sending out way more salary than they are bringing in. So what you're going to see, I think, is a lot of, they have about $6 million that they can give out as their mini mid-level exception, those, those tax-paying teams. Uh, everyone else gets about 10. And uh, some of those other teams that will avoid the tax, um, you get your biannual exception, about $4 million that they can give. Everyone else, expect minimums. Um, and so uh, that's kind of the lay of the land going into it. Um, but we have some players, Ethan, that we think will be, will be uh, you know, players of note, of intrigue, perhaps, uh, uh, going into um, the, the uh, free agency here by the end of the week. Um, and it feels like the first domino to fall is Kyrie Irving, right? He's at a unique spot. Man, Kyrie, dude, it's just, it's so, like, it never, it never ceases to amaze me how this guy kind of just bodies up and takes the, takes the league by his time and dime. Cause everyone, I think, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't think Kyrie Irving is a 
incredible talent and and a guy you would want to have around your basketball organization if you just talked about how he plays on the court like efficient difficult shot maker and taker like bad at defense but we, we've seen him be an okay defender on a Cleveland uh, championship team but the man's played barely over 100 games the last three seasons not to like not to dismiss that too much because of the COVID stuff but he was hurt before the COVID season uh, ended and went to the bubble and then you know sub subsequent two years as well but Played almost 100 games over a three-year span, or 103 games, I think it was. Unreliable, says a lot of crazy things. Clearly, like drove a divide between him and some teammates with James Harden, um, and his brief stint as a Brooklyn Net. Um, kind of th- like with the whole coaching thing, it's like we're all coaches. Like that kind of has a little bit of like a, I don't listen to authority thing, which I'm not saying you always have to, but makes it difficult. Make it a difficult workplace, and now. We have leaks about KD le- leaking out where he might want to go if he's if Kyrie's gone. So it's like the whole thing is just up in the air. I think it makes sense. And, and here's the thing. Kyrie Irving has until, I believe, the 28th or 29th, um, uh, so basically a couple days, to make a decision on whether to opt into his final year or to opt out. And if he opts in, then he is able to uh, you know, be traded to other teams to where the hard cap is not a problem, right? He, if he just opts in, then they could trade him to the Lakers or Clippers or, you know, whoever are the other teams that we've got, um, you know, Clippers, I, I, the teams that he mentioned that he'd be interested in, Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavs, Sixers, uh, most of those teams are, again, dealing with, would have to worry about the tax. And so, uh this allows him to be traded to those teams rather easily um, or I guess easier than if he were to opt out of that $1 billion and then do a sign and trade. Now, the problem is that it's a weird game of leverage. Like we're hearing a lot of this Kyrie Irving stuff because this is the time, the moment where he has leverage where it's, Hey, do something because if I opt out, you know, maybe he's the one person who's who has given off the aura of him being crazy enough to say, well, maybe I'll just go and sign that mini mid-level $6 million with the Lakers. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> it, it, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't think any player would say, let me not make, thir- you know, 30, the $30 million that I could make this year and instead just opt out. Like, I don't think any player would do that. But if there is one player... I think Kyrie Irving is that guy. And so opt out, um, give himself a chance at a championship in theory with LeBron and AD and sign the max the next year somewhere else. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't even think he really cares about, like, I don't know what he cares about. I think it's winning, but it's like he wants to play in a way on his, on his, um, on his terms. Um, and, and so it's unique. Now, now the, the flip side of that leverage is, well, once Kyrie Irving makes that decision, if he opts in to, the, to, to, to that money, now the Nets are kind of in the driver's seat with that, uh, at least you know a little bit, where it's like, hey, well, we're not just going to trade you to the Lakers and then take Russell Westbrook back. We don't want him. Like, that wouldn't fit. You can't have Simmons and Westbrook on, on a team. Like, Katie's going to look at that and like say, I, I don't want to deal with that again. So, uh, yeah, I... 
you, you, no, we're not going to do that, Kyrie. Sorry. But then on the flip side, that's where Kyrie's like, well, okay, well, then maybe I just won't play this year. So it's there's a lot of like hedging and trying to uh, maneuver yourself to kind of show, yeah, try, trying to get trying to gain, gain leverage throughout all of this. Um, in the end, I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, no idea. But I will say that out of the teams that Kyrie has mentioned, um, like the Mavs, I don't think have anything that the uh, Nets would want. The Sixers, I don't really think they would have anything either. Like they haven't really, like they've already made their trade. So why do you want James Harden? Uh, like James Harden wanted to get away from Kyrie. So like that doesn't seem like the best move. Um, the Heat, I think you can make something happen there. Perhaps problem is you're not getting all those draft picks. Uh, you're probably getting Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero. And does Katie look at that and say, you know, is that enough? I'm unsure. Um, look at the Knicks. Well, what are you going to send me back, Knicks? The, you know, Julius Randle? I, I don't think so. That would be the team where they're going to actually have cap space. I don't know if they'll have enough, but they'll at least have more than $6 million that where if they strike out on Brunson, maybe it makes sense to go after Kyrie if Kyrie is a free agent if he opts out. Um, Lakers, we already talked about that one. The Clippers, that's an interesting one to me. Like, they have a lot of the mid-level, um, uh, like, the, those, those middle kind of contracts. They have a lot of young players. Problem is they don't have picks. So I look at it and I think, man, Ethan, Miami Heat, out of the teams he listed, Miami Heat probably have the easiest way to get to that money um, in a trade. And and the, th- the thing is, they could also do the sign-and-trade with Miami. Like, Miami could go either way with this because... They are again operating right around that um, uh, that line, but they're not they're not well into it. They're not into it like the like the Clippers are, right? Uh, if if Kyrie opts out, only way that that can happen to go to the Clippers is Kyrie signing for like six million dollars, right? Lakers same same idea. With Miami though, if you're sending back, you can send back Duncan Robinson, right? You can send back um, Kyle Lowry, even right. Uh, you know, you have the contracts to send back in the sign and trade to where you can uh, avoid the hard cap. Even so, like the Heat are like my most interesting team uh, if I'm thinking about Kyrie Irving, just because you can make it work either way. Yeah, and and to be honest, like while Kyrie Irving is such a headache and he's not what I want as part of the like the Heat organization, he really is not a culture fit in terms of if there's ever a guy who's not a culture candidate, it's Kyrie Irving. But there's this whole thing with Jimmy Butler, like years ago, saying he'd love to play with Kyrie Irving. Like, here's the thing. Teams build up culture so they can trade away for talent. Like, that's what the that's that's what the Nets did in the first place, right? Uh, they, they had that, that, that really fun team, and, and once they, you know, had the culture just right? They they said, all right, let's ship it all off and let's get these let's get these supreme talents uh, in there. And if you look at Kyrie, it's like, okay, well, yeah, the whole past three years have been kind of a mess. Um, and I can understand why if you're the Nets, you're like, we've given you all this money and you've given us nothing. But since the uh, you know the thing that kept him out this past year was a thing that is no longer going to be a problem. But the problem is it's always something with Kyrie, and so. Uh, if he does go away and, and if the Nets don't seem to get enough for KD, like this is also the problem where it's like, well, l- let, let's think back to um, like the Miami Heat, for example. If Kyrie opts out, yes, you could be a team that goes after him, but wouldn't you rather go after KD? Like, wouldn't you rather not 
invest in in Kyrie just so like the maybe the the Kevin Durant door could be a little bit open, I, like if he decides that he wants out. So that's kind of the weird kind of uh, chicken egg thing that 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 I'm looking at and seeing with all of this. And the team that I think would be like knows that KD is not an option, but maybe thinks that Kyrie is is the Lakers. Like they're like there's no way that they could get Kevin Durant to their team because the Nets would not accept any trade offer uh, for that. But you could get Kyrie if Kyrie's weird enough to go for the six million, right? So. Like I just I just wonder who's gonna be the team to go after Kyrie if um if Kyrie is in fact no longer a member of the Brooklyn Nets next year. I don't know. We'll have to see. I of cap space teams I don't see really any that makes sense and they weren't on his list. So it does it just comes down to really goofy uh, as as everything with Kyrie Irving could ever be. It's just a goofy scenario. Mo- I guess to move on here, Richard, we got. Another guy who just who opted out of a contract, so he, but he's a guy who loves Washington, Bradley Beal, and what his story can be. Um, is there anything other than him just re-signing the max with Washington that you see coming? No, word on the street is that he is planning on uh, signing that five-year, um, five-year max with that team. What I think that you see is, let's wait a year from now. I, f- I feel like if you think, all right. Beal goes back and he, he signs the max. He's the, he signs a five-year deal. Let's see if he's still on the team uh, a year from now. That, that, that's what I'll be looking for. Um, but I think it's pretty a pretty pretty much a luck that he'll be there. Because, uh, again, the sign and trade, not really an option uh, for him. And cap space teams, he's not coming to Detroit. Uh, he's not coming. Like, and none of the other cap space teams have enough money uh, for his particular max. So, not going to happen. Um I think that's pretty straightforward. Zach Levine. All signs seem to say he's going back to Chicago now. Like there was a time where it was like, I don't know, I'm unsure. Um, But I think with some of the uncertainty, it's like he's not going to go to the Spurs. He's not going to go to, um, you know, the the, the Pistons or Magic. So sign and trade, Miami Heat have been an option. Again, the sign and trade options there. But... It's the same situation that we talk about for for Kyrie and 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 for Beal. It's just I don't see the I don't see it happening. Nah, and it's just like everyone who's in these signed trades with the Heat or the Lakers and all these other teams that don't have any actual assets. That none of it makes sense. Like we don't have the we don't have the right kind of things. The, Heat, the Lakers don't have the right kind of things. I mean, you have it more than the Lakers. Well, yeah, but I, listen, the Lakers think they have it. The Heat fans know they don't. <laughs> There's the difference, but I don't know. I I I, I know some Heat fans who think that one of Donovan Mitchell or or Zach Levine or Bradley Beal is coming on the way this this, yeah, this year. I'm, I'm sure some do. I sounds fine. Sounds good. Um, I it's the same conversation that happened with for me with Blazers fans telling me Ben Simmons was on the way for CJ McCollum straight up, and I said I just. Um, I don't see that happening. I just don't think there's any way that that's where his value's at, and that's kind of how I feel about these these two guards for the the Heat. Is like I just don't see any way that the Heat have enough to get those done without the other team, without that player just making such a stink about it to make it happen. So it feels like Zach Levine's returning. Uh, James Harden, ability to you know, I think he's I think he's going back to like there, there's there's some deal that's already that's already. Um, there, so I don't know if we need to belabor that, but so he should be going back. 
if he's not, he's he's personally probably making a mistake. Like this is probably his last chance. Like this is his last chance to cash big. So and and you're with your boy, the most likely man to pay you. Yeah, um, Joe Borey being being that being that guy. Um, Jalen Brunson. Here's the here's the, like the first interesting one where he's an unrestricted free agent. Could go back to the Mavs. Mavs could offer him the most money, most years. But like we said. Mavs are one of these teams where they, if they do that, well, they are, they are a tax team. Um, uh, if he doesn't come back, well, then you do begin to um, avoid the tax in, in you know, meaningful ways. But man, Brunson is—he was a key contributor contributor to them, um, and uh, you know, I. Actually I, actually, I should say this, uh, actually. Brunson himself, even if Brunson is not... Like, they're already a tax team without Brunson, I should, I should clarify. Um, because of the Christian Wood trade, they've kind of put themselves into well, having to pay lots of money. Luka Doncic, his contract hits now. And so that's why they're skyrocketing up there. Um, Tim Hardaway, you have his money. Maybe you can find a way to get, to get off of that money. But Dinwiddie, you've got him at $19.5 million, uh, similar for Hardaway. Um, and so you are going to be a tax team regardless. Maxi Kleber, you're going to have to, uh, he's a non-guarantee there. You're probably bringing him back at that easy, nice 9 mil. So with Brunson, it's like, all right, if you if you go with Brunson, it's like, all right, you're kind of locking yourself into all this money and paying that money for a while. Um if you don't do it, then you kind of lost that asset for nothing. And you're basically just swapping out uh, wood for Brunson and hoping that that works going forward. And I don't know if you're going to do that by that with Lucas. So, like, I think that they want to do it. Obviously, the Knicks have created space for Brunson. The Pistons were rumored, but now that they've got Ivy, probably not. So it seems like it's coming down to the Knicks or the Mavs. Uh, what do you think? Where do you think he goes? Well, I think if I'm him and I have the most opportunity to show all of my skill set, that sounds like the Knicks to me. Like, he would be, him and R.J. Barrett would be a much more, like, equitable give and take in the facilitation, scoring, etc. realm. But if I'm Jalen Brunson, I'm taking whatever the most money I can get from the Mavericks, whatever that number is, and I'm staying with the Mavericks. Because you look at this roster, man, and there's so much potential. You're not just talking about being with Luka Doncic, a guy who's good enough to get you to the conference finals last year. You're not just talking about um, having some depth, too, with Spencer Dimwood, a guy who can fill in regular season. Tim Hardaway, probably still going to be a good catch-and-shoot guy coming back, but maybe you dump his contract or pair it up with David Davis Bertans for someone else. Like We're talking about these contracts like... Hardaway, Dimwitty, Bertans, Christian Wood just came, but another contract, Dimwitty, uh, Finney Smith, Powell for $11 million. All these numbers come together for, theoretically, a decent little trade for a nice player. Like, you could maybe send out Bertans and, let's say, Powell, and all of a sudden, here's Eric Gordon, another contributor to help you on a title run. Like, this team is the one that, of the places that can get you Jalen Brunson, you have a chance to win a title and still get paid. They want you. They have pieces to make the team even better without marginalizing your role. This is the place to be. No doubt. No state income tax in Texas. Another good reason to be there. 
there you go. So uh, I'll bet I'll bet if you're if you're you Dallas, you're probably saying, hey, you know what? Equal money for us and them is you're actually getting a little discount with us. So uh, we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous for for Dallas and this regard. I feel like the Knicks um, really think that they can get him. They they would they might have some inside knowledge having hired his dad. Okay, true. Um, but to be fair. His dad has been a coach in the league for a number of years. This is true, but Brunson's not been a free agent for a team that has had that. So we'll, we'll, Point we'll, being, we'll his, 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 Jalen's dad has coached with Tom Thibodeau in other stops. P.J. Tucker. Opted out. But that's just because, hey, you, you came off the season – Positive season, healthy season. Let's get off it. Get a little more long term money. Get a little more security. Uh, even uh, you know for him, you know being being a little bit older. So um, you know he's drawing some interest from from some teams. So the question is, um, you know, the teams that he could offer, you know, that he would want, like to because he opted out, opted out of seven mil. So chances are he's looking for a team that can give him the uh, full mid-level exception, about $10 million or maybe a shade underneath that. But I don't know. Where, where do you think uh, – do you think the Heat can – do you think the Heat will bring him back um, on a longer-term deal, even at his age? I, I think it makes sense for the Heat. Like the Heat are a team that doesn't have – like the nastiest books going forward. Like obviously when you go look into paying tower hero, um, that's going to add more bams um, on his contract. Now Jimmy's on his for a long time. But like when we're talking about that, like those are the things that are pushing you to the tax or at the cap, like adding bigger salaries, longer term deals. Like they can turn into bad money. Like Duncan's turned in for a bat is has turned into bad money for a, I only care about winning championship team, but it's not a bad contract. Like having those movable contracts, much like the Warriors did with D'Angelo Russell and now Wiggins, um, those contracts hold a purpose for teams that need to be available to make moves at the margins. So I think paying him whatever the most they can pay him is, is a totally fair, reasonable, and I'm definitely okay with it, especially considering that retaining him and then adding something on the fringe, maybe if it's the, the Kyrie Irving stuff we talked about, maybe it's a Zach Levine if he was if he's actually unhappy, maybe it's Donovan Mitchell and Dwayne Wade went to Utah just to bring us Donovan Mitchell, lovely stuff. All those things, PJ Tucker helps once those things fall into place, and if not, he probably helps you keep it close to where you're still attractive to those other teams and disgruntled stars going forward. The one situation we've not talked about with Miami and. I think it's because, um, well, just he makes so little money. Victor Oladipo, he is, uh, you know, they've been able to retain him for a couple of years. So uh, they are working their way to the point where they've got a certain amount of, um, I think it's early bird rights on him. So they are going to be able to offer him a, a little bit more than, you know, they would have. And, and if they get him one more year for pretty cheap, then you got bird rights. And there may be something like it seemed like he'd like being there. So we'll see. Uh, I think depending on if they do the sign and trade route, then it might preclude you from being able to re- retain him. Uh, but if they if they don't, I think he's probably someone that you give 
uh, some money to. Uh, I don't want to go through every single one of these guys. Maybe we can mention some of them. But I do think that there's a team that we need to think about and mention. That's Golden State Warriors. Um, that, uh, Kevon Looney and Gary Payton II, they are already, like, they are the highest um, team in the tax. You look at them, and they are a solid, like, without Looney and with uh, without Payton, they're like fifty-seven, sorry, fifty-four million dollars over um, the uh, the cap as is. So like they're they're well they're well into the tax. Twenty-two million over the tax is what uh, Fanspo slash Trade NBA has them at without um, doing anything to their contracts, like no manipulation or trades. Yeah, I think I I think I got um, sorry yeah without those guys they got twenty-seven. Um, uh, over, but it's also like Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, it's including um, him and his cap hold, and they're going to sign sign some minimums too. So uh, it's they're going to make a decision. But any decision they make, like if they give uh, Kevon Looney five million dollars, that's going to count like twenty five million dollars, twenty twenty five million dollars in actual money, even though it only counts like five million dollars against the cap. So they they're going to make some decisions. Uh, how deep are the pockets? Uh, there. We will have to see. Okay. Um, those are the, the main kind of guys' situations as far as the unrestricted. But the restricted free agent market, I think, is a little, like, usually what happens is people talk it up and then nothing happens uh, because, like, the highest level guys usually get extensions. Usually. We have a unique situation where DeAndre Ayton uh, did not, right? Miles Bridges uh, didn't take the extension offer that, that they gave it. So now he's up there and, and they seem to be a little hesitant to pay money too. Um, Anthony Simons, I think that uh, for him, I think it, people are pretty confident. Hey, Portland's willing to at least match uh, whatever he'll be offered. Um, but how true how true do you think that is? Like, like would they match anything? I kind of, I kind of think so because right now I think Portland is in the mindset of we have to retain all things that provide this franchise value. And Anthony Simons, despite um, having some limitations, like he's definitely a guy who has shown a lot of promise offensively. Last year with no, with a, a team with no direction, he looked so competent with every defense targeted on him and he I think I mean I actually pull up his stats so I'm not just talking in in superlatives but the the man consistently showed that he has the ability to separate create and and get consistent consistent offense for himself and honestly I think a really horrible situation he shot and scored 17 points per game four assists on 44 from the field 40 from three and shot 88 from the line this is a guy who is in, is in his fourth year, very, still very young. He's just turned 23 right now. He's the kind of guy, if you pair him with the right thing, he's bound, I think, bound to stay that level of efficiency and maybe even increase it. So I don't think the Pistons would, would do such a thing because you've now got Ivy. But the Pistons, as we mentioned, have more money available than anyone. What if they threw a max... A max out there, like I like just to just say, hey Blazers, we're gonna make you pay a little money. Like, 
I think the I think the Blazers should be willing to do it, or immediately look for a signing trade elsewhere. I don't know how the dynamics of like signing the qualifying offer to then maybe going into a sign and trade work, but well, here's here, here's the problem. The moment that someone signs a sheet, an offer sheet, like if the Pistons go and they they offer it and and Simon signs it, you cannot do a sign and trade anymore with that You're, team or any team. With any team because he signed it, and so uh, it, it's basically at that point in time, it's just a decision on on matching. I think there are other restrictions on like. If they match it, they can sign him and then trade him at the deadline to anyone but the Pistons. Uh, they have to wait like a year for that to, for that to go by. Uh, kind of like the weird free agent rules or, or other trade rules that we have to go to a third team. But uh, like once any of these restricted free agents actually sign an offer sheet, once it's been reported, then sign and trades are off off the table. They might get to the point where they where a team like with Aiton, for example, the Pistons could go out and say. Hey, we will we'll still offer uh, the money. Hey, sons, we're about to sign a max offer sheet. Um, sign and trade. Would you like to do that instead? Um, then that can happen. But the moment that they put pen to paper, uh, you no longer can do it. Um, I, I have a little. I mean, I, the thing is, like, there's there's certain players that I would really like to see end up their way in Portland, like Miles Bridges being one of them. But the unfortunate thing is, like, I'd be okay with, like, doing a little sign-and-trade max swaps, right? Like, <laughs> Hornets, you take Anthony at a max, we'll take Miles at a max. Or Phoenix, you take Anthony at a max, we'll take Aiton at a max. Just for, like, player fit reasons. At the end of the day, I think the Blazers should do whatever they gotta do to retain that asset or get something in return. I don't know who else. Let's go back to your cap space teams. Like, honestly, if I was the Magic, because I don't think your guards are very good, I think Jalen Suggs is going to be something passable, but Cole Anthony's trash, so I would be on my way to get rid of him. If they offered me Jonathan Isaac and the sign-in trade of Mo Bamba for a very small dollar, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I'd prefer Wendell Carter, but I'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix can't do that because of where they are with, again, their the, their bodies. Uh, yeah, with 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 their monies, I'm pretty sure. Sh- they also don't need a guard like that. Like they don't need that. The, the magic would be an interesting one for me, though. Like if they if they could send us Jonathan Isaac, let us like let the, or I should say I'm saying us. My apologies. Send the you, Blazers. You live, you live in Portland. I do live in Portland. Um, send the Blazers Jonathan Isaac and then and or maybe other ancillary players to like have the right to bring in a guard that would be very dynamic, very fun. And also, I think, a great fit with a Paolo Bancaro. Because for what, what Anthony does so well, not not a great facilitator, an okay facilitator, not a great facilitator. If Paolo's as good as everyone says he is, he's the kind of guy who's supposed to be able to facilitate a little bit from um, that the four position. So if you're telling me that they, the, the Blazers could acquire a Jonathan Isaac and, and Mo Bamba just in terms of having a center asset, you know, redoing like the Zach Collins de- – debacle and hopefully have something of value with Bamba theoretically can spread the floor and protect the rim theoretically like I'd be all about that because I I think all the Blazers need to surround Dame with is more Jonathan Isaacs more Jeremy Grants those guys that's what the Blazers need I think that that, I think it's intriguing in reality I don't think 
that DeAndre Ayton's going to have enough in the way of suitors. Um, the, I mean, the Spurs could try to, to to do something there and then make it make it into a sign and trade, right? Kind of force their their hand. Uh, I just don't see what you. Uh, I just don't see what you could send back that the Suns are super thrilled about. But maybe they're so cheap, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't. So I don't think he goes. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm beginning to worry that DeAndre Ayton doesn't go anywhere. Um, or, or because, like, he's going to have to, like, the Suns have to match whatever, whatever restricted free agent. You can't let him walk for nothing. You can't. Um, if you, if you do, you're a poverty franchise that, that should just quit. Um, what could a team like the Grizzlies do? Like, could they kind of get in this box a little bit in in some kind of sign and trade? Because that's an interesting landing spot for the man. I mean... But at the same time, they don't have they don't have the leverage, um, and because they don't have the money, uh, they have seventeen million dollars, and the Suns will look at that and scoff and say, "Well, sign with Alvarez. We'll, we'll max seventeen million dollars. We'll sign that. Yeah, we'll sign that yesterday." Yeah. Um, so I was they just don't trying have to think if they, to if they were happen. willing to get him up to a max, be like, "Hey, who do you want on our roster that like isn't named John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain?" They'd probably be like, "No, that's one. the problem." They'd probably yeah, exactly. like no one because we don't want Dylan Brooks. No one does. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're you're at Zaire Williams, and that, that's not enough. So I, <laughs> it'd be kind of funny to see Miles Turner and 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 what's his name do a DeAndre Ayton do a little swapski. How's how do yeah. feel about that? I it's just, I mean, sure. I just again just begin to wonder what what's the point. So the, the more I look at with these restricted free agents, um, like Simons, I don't think he's going anywhere. Colin Sexton, I worry about his market. I don't know how much the Cavs want to do, but maybe it's that's a qualifying offer type thing um, that that he takes. Problem is coming off an injury, you kind of want long term security. But if you're not going to get it, then maybe just you know qualifying offer. Let 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 it happen. Um, Lonnie Walker, I think he's gone. We mentioned that. Marvin Bagley on the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons have his, have his rights. I think that's where some money goes from, from Detroit. I think they just go and say, hey, well, this, for me, it's a year's thing. I don't care about how many dollars, you know, how much money. If you sign up a two-year deal, who cares? Who cares how much money uh, you, you, you give the man? Um, three years, I worry there. Like, that. then we're going to need to have basically, like, I don't want to go more than $10 million, um, which is as much as he can get anywhere else. So I, I just start to worry there a little bit. Um, so I think that you'll see like a two plus one with the Detroit uh, team option at probably, I want to say, I think he'll get two years, $30 million guaranteed and in, in, in the uh, final year, non-guaranteed or something like that. Like I think that's what you see Pistons offer him. Um, though only... One that now is a little bit intriguing is Miles Bridges to the Pistons. That would be someone who I could see the Pistons potentially, you know, kind of hometown kid, him um, being kind of, you know, Pistons right now only have four slots with their young core, right? Cade, Ivy, Sadiq, and one of Duran and Stewart. They've talked about playing both of those guys at the same time because of Stewart's perceived ability to, hey, we think he'll be able to space it. I think that's more talk than anything right now. And while you might be able to do weird stuff defensively, like you're not going to have the space to operate. You really need uh, a lot more shooting there. So uh, 
I mean, if you if you really wanted it to be part of the tank, you know, the the, the, the tanking uh, attempt down the stretch, sure. But I don't think it's legitimate, um, you know, thing unless you're playing against a team like Cleveland or something like that, who's got the two bigs, who you just want to be able to have bodies with. So, um, point is, they got a, a forward spot where they need to roster someone, need to have someone playing, whether that's Bagley, whether that's um, uh, Bridges, if you view Sadiq as the three or the four, and, and Bridges to alternate there. So, like, I'm a little bit concerned, because, like, I don't want to pay Bridges a max, but I think that's what it would take to actually get him out of Charlotte because of their hesitancy. And they're a cheap poverty franchise, too. Um, So, I, I think the thing I like about it, Richard, is I think you guys appropriately finessed the Jeremy Grant signing when you were offering him a bigger role in offense and you, 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 you extracted a little bit of value for like a, like just a guy to fill a caps spot on your team. And then we talked about that when it happened, right? Talked about you guys took on a Jeremy Grant to just get him to a better place eventually, right? Like he was never going to win anything in Detroit. Like that was never going to happen. Um, you can do a very similar thing here with miles bridges. And you could even do the three plus one to where if it's not working out, he has the option to get out or you guys still have the option to trade him sooner. So he has that option elsewhere, but you can take him in at a big number, take a chance. And he's not, he's not hurting your books by the time, or if he is good, he's he's not hurting you because he's so good. By the time K's getting paid, the decision's already made. I just think it's a little too much money um, to to kind of fit into that role. Like, if if the Pistons want to kind of take the Jeremy Grant approach um, where you're offering some money, I think they do it on a short-term deal type of thing where it's, all right, let's throw our money at Marvin Bagley, TJ Warren, right? Um, Or uh, Kyle Anderson, like like those, like say you get those three guys kind of at the forward spot. TJ Warren, I don't know about Kyle for you guys. No, but it's like, you're just having enough, like, you know, bodies out there so you could throw out some some competent players. Like, th- that type of a, maybe you get two out of those three, I don't know. But, like, you've got 40-some million dollars to spend, 15, 15, 15. Like, that gets you there. Uh, so, I, but point is, short-term deal. So, I, I think I would probably prefer to go that route, but that's also a little part of me is thinking to myself, if you go Miles Bridges, now you, there might be a little bit too much competence. Um, and uh, Victor Wimbanyana is looking real nice next year. Uh, just say it. I have to say it. I'm contractually obligated to mention, mention Victor Wimbanyana um, next year. That's fair. Or Scoot Henderson or the Thompson Twins. or you know, There's a lot. Next year's draft looking nice. So regardless... Um, those are some guys that, uh, you know, got to keep an eye on. Now I hear you because you're not in a hurry. Like, you're not in a hurry to be the sixth seed, which, honestly, a team like that we described with the, with the players you're looking at, with it being Cade, like, theoretically, Ivy being a solid contributor day one, Sadiq, also had Miles Bridges scored 40 points on a whim sometime. You're talking about a team that's going to be pushing for the play-in and maybe make the playoffs. And maybe your team, your, you as a f- fan, is not ready for it. It'd be interesting to see how the Pistons organization uh, feels about it. Yeah, I, I've just been hesitant for, to offer Aiton and other people. It's like I don't need to, like I'm okay going at the pace that it needs to take. I don't need to skip a step. And I think that, like what we saw this past weekend, um, 
with the draft, like it, it feels like the Pistons recognize that and like not wanting to skip a step and like you know get the young guys do it right. Just think one more. Like I look at this course, like oh they all look, they all look, you know it's great, but we're still missing kind of a piece um, for for you to really uh, get to where you want to get to. In my opinion, we'll see. Yeah, I think I think you are right. That the Pistons have acquired a lot of. Ver, like versatility with their players, where with it being Sadiq Bay, we're looking at Cade as a guy who can play basically one through three on a lineup card. A guy Jay Nivey who's a one or a two. Like there's a lot of guys who can move up and down the ladder. And then if if theoretically, um, old Victor comes out, Jalen Duran is net, hopefully develops enough that he can trade him for something that's a little bit more complimentary, or he's your backup, him or Stu, whatever it works. Yeah. We'll 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 see. Um, anyways, I'm excited to see where things go. I hope it hope there's fireworks um, as far as the you know free agency as, as it comes up next week. And who knows? Maybe we'll be we'll be able to talk about something uh, here uh, a, a week from today. We'll we'll, we'll see. Ethan. Oh yeah, no, it'll be very interesting to see how things shake up. I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for some chaos because that probably means the Heat are are. are Dipping their toes in a cup of waters, and I wouldn't mind to see that. 